It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The BYU Cougars fall 69-68 to South Dakota in a bye game. It's a quote, the epitome of brutality, according to John Rothstein. How did it happen? We'll examine that. We'll also get some quick thoughts on the transfer situation for BYU football. This is Postcast. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, resident BYU insider. Thank you for joining us here on a special edition of Locked On Cougars. We call them postcasts, coming to you typically on the weekends after BYU plays. We usually do this during the football season, and also when I have a chance during basketball season, I like to do that as well. But BYU comes up short in a 69-68 to loss to South Dakota at Vivint Arena. And frankly, that score, if I just mentioned 69-68, to oh, okay, they got a big shot at the end, and South Dakota upset BYU. No. That's not how this game went. BYU trailed by as many as 21 points. Actually, 23 points, if I'm not mistaken. At least 21. But regardless, down big time in this match. It always was 21 points. But still, just a brutal, brutal day for BYU. And uh, they got into this game. You thought, okay, South Dakota, they're coming in here. I talked about it on the Friday edition of the show. Eric Peterson, the former Utah State and Utah assistant, his first year out there with the Coyotes. And now uh, he probably had an idea of what to expect from BYU, but his team was absolutely lights out. I frankly was just stunned at how they were playing in this game because BYU, so slow on the rotations, especially in the first half. South Dakota had open look after open look from three, and they hit on them. That's the thing about this is uh, South Dakota absolutely lit it up for the first 30 minutes of this game. We'll talk about the final 10 minutes here in a minute. But in the game, South Dakota finished 52.2% from three, 12 of 23 attempts. They made 12 of them. Just absolutely incredible shooting. There was one point in the second half. They were 12 of 18. 66.7%. Two-thirds of their three-point attempts had gone in. They built that 21-point lead and it looked like, okay, BYU's on their way to an absolutely abysmal loss. And yes, they still lost the game. So it's it's abysmal in terms of the loss itself. But BYU, at at the 10-minute mark of this game, uh, Paul Bruns hits a three to put South Dakota up 60-39. to 10 minutes to go in this game. The final 10 minutes of this contest, South Dakota scored 9 points. Count them, 9. BYU's defense went to more of a full-court pressing-style defense, and it caused all kinds of issues for South Dakota. They could not figure it out. And BYU just kind of ground their way back into this matchup. I I thought so many times, okay, that's going to do it for BYU, or that's going to do it. And BYU, by the way, did not shoot well at all in this game. They finished the game shooting 34.4%, 21 of 61 more abysmally, 7 of 33, 21.2% from 3. A, a couple of nights, actually a few nights, after they had set a program record, single game record, with 19 made three-pointers against Westminster. For a large portion of this game, they went 0 of, uh, 0 of 11 to start the game from 3. 
They just could not uh, get a bucket to go, for, especially from, from long range. But they finally got it to go. I got to give Rudy Williams credit. He was kind of the key cog that got BYU back into this game. He finished with 20 points in this matchup, 5 of 13 shooting. His three-point shooting, not great. But the two three-pointers he made out of the nine he attempted, very, very important ones for the Cougars. But like I said, the final 10 minutes, BYU did not allow a single field goal from South Dakota. They rallied from 60 to 39 was the deficit, end up losing 69 to 68, and Rudy Williams had I what I thought was a fairly decent look from three for the game winner. Would have liked to maybe seen him, he had four and a half seconds roughly to get up court. I would have liked to seen him maybe attack the basket, force a referee to make a call if he gets hit at the rim uh, and maybe see what happens, but I thought the three he attempted at the buzzer that could have won it was a decent look. Uh, unfortunately, it goes begging and BYU ends up losing this one, six 69-68. It was a, a money game. BYU played South Dakota to come play them, and, and the parlance of what I mentioned in the open coming from John Rothstein, it's the epitome of brutality, and it, it's a tough loss. It drops BYU to 72nd in the Ken Palm ratings. BYU is now just 5-4. and four. They'll be looking to rebound when they take on Utah Valley University on Wednesday night at the Marriott Center. Uh, should be an interesting matchup because UVU uh, ended up running away from uh, Long Beach State 88-78 to in their matchup earlier today, so interested to see how BYU responds to this one because that was, it was a tough loss. Absolutely tough loss. Now, let me also acknowledge one thing. The officiating in this game left a lot to be desired. That's all I'm going to say. I, I just didn't like how some of the, the calls were called, I guess is the easiest way to say it. I thought there were some really, really ticky-tack calls. And by the way, just the, the length of this game, the calls, the reviews, the, the, the timeouts, it, it took way too bloody long for this basketball game. It lasted two and a half plus hours. That that should not happen in college hoops. It needs to be a two-hour product. If they want to keep themselves relevant, we all talk about baseball all the time, how baseball's just gotten too long. We're getting three and a half and four-hour games, and baseball's made a very concerted effort to get games closer to the three-hour mark. Well, guess what? College hoops, they need to be aware of the same thing. It's got to be a two-hour product. You streamline it however you need to do it. It needs to be around two hours to keep people's attention and get them invested. I know that two and a half hours doesn't necessarily seem as long as two hours, but people lose interest. And especially with all the foul calls in this game, it's just, it was not an entertaining style of basketball, but BYU falls short and it's a disappointing loss. There's absolutely no argument that it's a loss that you're like, okay, that one, that one hurts. But at the same time, I maybe and I'll admit I, I'm I'm guilty of this. I thought that lo- that comeback win against Dayton I thought would get BYU rolling a little bit. They obviously blew out Westminster, who was a Division two program, so you're expected to blow them out 100 to 70, making all those threes. But coming into this game, I thought, okay, they got some momentum here. We'll see what they can do. Well, guess what? They for a large portion of that contest, I thought they were going to fall flat on their face because they, like I said, they were down 20, 21 points, and in the final 10 minutes, the defense got them their opportunity get back into this game. But the three-point shooting wasn't the only issue BYU had. As I mentioned, they were 34.4% from the field. They were missing, and I mean bunnies, shots at the rim that Fus Traore typically just, it's like throwing it into the ocean for him, could not get him to go. It was absolutely brutal to watch BYU's offense. Their defense gave them a shot in this game, and for whatever reason, their offense just could not get them over the hump. So, a disappointing loss. Now, BYU has to pick up some of the pieces and get back on back on track They've got five games remaining in the non-conference slate. They have UVU on Wednesday night. They go and face Creighton, the top 10 ranked team in Las Vegas, a week from tonight's uh, Saturday night. 
And then you've got Utah, uh, I believe Lindenwood, and then uh, you finish things also, also a Western Oregon matchup in there at some point. So you got five games remaining. Currently, I would say BYU probably, if they go two and three, I'll be impressed. I guess, no, three and two. Three and two is kind of what I want to see as a successful mark to round out non-conference play here for BYU. Two and three in 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 play. I think one and four is like the worst case scenario because Western Oregon's a Division two team like Westmin- Westminster, so you should win that one. So, I. Uh, it's on a tipping point here for BYU. Are they going to be a team that can make a play in the West Coast Conference? Or are we looking at a product of a team that's probably going to finish closer to what they did in the West Coast Conference last year's finishing in fifth place? The lowest place finish they've ever had in their history in the uh, 11 seasons to that point they had been in the conference. So very interesting times ahead. We'll see if this team can pick up some momentum as they round out non-conference play. But today's loss, I think it sets them back quite a bit. And it's unfortunate because they had a chance to win it. And and that, that is the positive, is their defense gave them a chance. They, they made South Dakota's life miserable on the defensive end of the court to get themselves back into this one, but you still lost the game, and that that's what hurts. Because USD, uh, South Dakota, they're not a world beater. This is not, like if you're talking about NCAA tournament resume wins versus losses, this is one that's absolutely going to hurt you on the loss side of things. So... Tough break for Mark Pope and his squad, and like I said, they'll have to bounce back here. Now, uh, we'll finish out uh, today's show with some quick thoughts on the transfer portal. Two high-profile announcements over the weekend, which I think are just the the start of what could be an avalanche of announcements Monday. We'll talk uh, more in full on Monday about this, but we'll get to Jacob Conover and Campbell Barrington here in just a moment. First, a word on our friends over at Omaha Steaks. Any of you who have had Omaha Steaks know how good they are. What I love about Omaha Steaks is they are here to help you guys out this holiday season. The holidays are obviously here. Achieve gift greatness when you order the gift of perfectly aged, tender, and delicious Omaha steaks. The steak experts at Omaha Steaks have put together specially curated pa- gift packages to help they get, take the guesswork out of gifting and make you a holiday hero. Go to omahasteaks.com and use the promo code Locked On at checkout to get $30 off your order. Think about that. A significant amount of savings on your order. The best part is they've got butcher's cut filet mignons, air-chilled boneless chicken, ultra-juicy burgers. I'm actually a big fan of their hot dogs as well. They've got everything. Uh, uh, pulled pork, and name it. They probably got it for you guys at Omaha Steaks. So give it a shot right now. Omaha Steaks is ready to ship your order right away. So shop early and beat the shipping rush. Go to omahasteaks.com right now and use the promo code Locked On at checkout. Once again, it is a gift from the heart, a gift that will be remembered at every unforgettable bite. Order with complete confidence today, knowing that you're ordering the best. Visit omahasteaks.com. Once again, use the promo code Locked On at checkout to get that extra $30 off your order. Minimum orders may be required. It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one selling compact tractor in the USA. And now through June 30, get 0% APR for 84 months or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com. All right, let's talk a little bit about the news that came out. Uh, Jacob Conover, as well as Campbell Barrington, announcing they're going to enter the NCAA transfer portal. Now, I am surprised by Campbell's decision, and uh, some of you are probably saying, well, Jake, you talked to Clark. Did you know about this? Folks, I, I honestly, I, I don't, I don't discuss this stuff off the record with Clark. I, I don't think it's in, it's, it, 
it's it's not my place to pry. I, I may see if I can find out some more information about this, and I plan on talking to a couple of people to see what I can find out about Campbell Barrington's situation, why he would ultimately decide to depart, because this is a freshman All-American, folks. This is a guy, Campbell, uh, next year probably is penciled in as a starting offensive lineman, whether it's a guard or tackle for BYU. He's probably starting for BYU as they begin the Big 12 era. Alas, he's entering the NCAA transfer portal. Could he decide to return? Maybe so, but he is looking at his options, as well as Jacob Conover, BYU's backup quarterback. Some of you uh, tweeted at me when I uh, retweeted that and tweeted my thoughts on it on social media saying, well, who's going to play quarterback for BYU in the bowl game? Jaron Hall has said that 100% I'm playing in that game. Is he blowing smoke? He very well could be, but I think that he really, really did not enjoy sitting out last year's game against UAB. Obviously, he's a competitor. He wants to play football, and it very well may be the final time we see him in a BYU uniform, so I think he's going to do everything within his power to play in this game. And if he isn't able to play, well... Heck, I don't know who's going to play quarterback for BYU in that game. Cade Fennigan has been in a walking boot and limping around uh, since the Boise State game, if not earlier than that. Soljay Maiava-Peters, we've seen at different points this season getting some uh, work running routes with wide receivers. He's also been in a sling at multiple points this season. Is he dinged up and unable to play? That leaves Nick Billups, potentially, a walk-on, a transfer from the University of Utah, a walk-on quarterback who's been running the scout team for BYU most of the season. He could be the guy for BYU under center if Jaron Hall can't go. Not an ideal situation. So, number three, Jaron Hall, get yourself ready. But uh, also, let me add, best of luck to Jacob Conover and Campbell Barrington. I will I, I will say that I'm going to see what I can find out more about their situations and see what I can pass along to you guys in a, a full edition of our Monday podcast. But I wish them nothing but the best. I hope they find a good situation for themselves. They're able to get the playing time they're likely looking for, the opportunities they're looking for. I wish them nothing but the best. But let me also add this, folks. The transfer portal officially opens Monday morning. These are just two of what I expect to be a large amount of transfers out of BYU. The transfer portal giveth, the transfer portal taketh. There will be opportunities for Kalani Satake and his staff to hit the transfer portal and find guys to come in and replace the talent, but there is going to be talent outgoing as well that some of them will hurt. But let's try and be patient. I, I will I will endeavor to do it myself. I would encourage you guys to do it as well. Try and be patient with these announcements. Don't completely overreact to any single one of them because, like I said, there are opportunities in the transfer portal to take talent from other programs and bring them here to Provo and that would be a positive I think in the end if they end up playing a a significant role so it giveth it taketh and it's just kind of the reality of college football my friends so let's sit back and we'll we'll do more of I guess a, a big picture look at okay was it a net positive net negative for BYU what did they pick up versus what they lost we'll try and do more of that once the transfer portal closes a, a few weeks from now and it's crazy to think it's here but this is going to be an insane uh, time and t- Monday morning it, it you're going to hear a lot of announcements, a lot of social media stuff, a lot of graphics are going to be going out saying, I've enjoyed my time here at BYU, but I am looking at my options. I'm going in the NCAA transfer portal. But guess what? BYU is not alone. There's 130 other FBS programs out there, FCS programs on down the list who are all going to have this happen Monday morning. It is going to be a just a, a, a deluge, a, an avalanche. It's going to be just overload in terms of the transfer opportunities. We'll see how it all shakes out. But once again, best of luck to Jacob Conover as well as Campbell Barrington. And on the Monday edition of the show, our next full edition of the podcast, I'll pass along what I know about the coaching search for the defensive coordinator. I'll also pass along what I learn if I can learn anything about the transfer situation for BYU as well. So stay tuned for that. And a big thank you once again for making us your first listen of the day. Hope you guys are all doing well. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast. Have a great rest of your weekend. 
This is your invitation to a masterclass in engineering and design. Your ticket to go from zero to 60 with the Lexus Performance Line. A feeling this dynamic is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the exhilaration of the Lexus Performance Line and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.